All right. Well, let's uh, just uh, bow our heads and thank God. Father, we thank you that you are such a faithful God. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you carry each of us. Uh, whether we, we know that you are with us or not, you are always there. Father, even as we've heard in the testimonies, uh, Araz and Selfie's testimony, you have always been there and you continue to be there. Even when we don't know it, you are there. We thank you for Lily and for the report that we hear today. We thank you for Shole and for you being with her, even as she's going through uh, some uh, minor physical things right now. We just pray for your strength over her. And Lord, we just come to your word and we ask you now to open our hearts to see things as uh, you see them and uh, uh, just to, to flow with you uh, in what you have in store for us. We thank you for everyone who's on the call. We thank you for those that uh, aren't uh, able to make it. We ask that you bless them as well and guide us as we continue together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we just celebrated uh, the resurrection of the Lord a couple of weeks ago, and that was the most glorious thing in the history of the church, that death was defeated, that uh, victory has been secured, that the Lord is not in the grave, the grave is empty, and that today we can uh, celebrate and we can rejoice and we can see his goodness in every aspect of our life, uh, whether in healing, whether in restoration, whether in our relationships, in all of it. And today is uh, basically the third Easter, two Sundays after Easter. And uh, we consider that to still be Easter. This is the period that Jesus spent on the earth in the 40 days after his resurrection, where he visited with people. Uh, he did the Middle Eastern thing of eating with them a lot. And, uh, you know, Aaron, uh, years ago, made note of the fact that after Jesus' resurrection, the first thing that he did when he came into the upper room, uh, he spoke to the disciples and said, uh, do you guys have anything to eat? And, uh, you know, we as a church, uh, we've been told that we're one of the happiest churches on earth. And I think part of it has got to do with that, that when we come together, there's always something to eat. There's always something to go into our mouths that makes us feel good, that makes us enjoy a good taste and enjoy a good meal that's been prepared, whether it's a snack or a meal, whatever the size, uh, we get to enjoy it. And we get to enjoy it not only alone, but we get to enjoy it together. And that's the beauty of, of all that uh, we get to enjoy together. Unfortunately, we're isolated these days. <coughs> And uh, we're not able to be together. Uh, so we're doing things a little bit different. We're enjoying our meals in small, little, tiny, little groups. And sometimes some of us open up uh, meetings or FaceTimes or, or Skypes or Zooms, whatever we do. And we connect across the, the Internet and we have meals with others. Have you tried that? Try that sometime in the next uh, few days. Sit together with somebody else and have a camera on as you eat and they eat. It's kind of weird initially, but uh, you'll find that you can actually get past the weirdness and your hearts can connect, even if you may not be eating the same thing, uh, different meals. And that's what we do in a restaurant. We order different meals and we each get to enjoy them separately, but together. So try that. But it seemed that it was a central piece in what Jesus did when he was here on earth after the 40, after his resurrection during the 40 days. And during that 40 days, he spoke to them about the very thing that he preached about from the beginning of his ministry. When he came on the scene after he was baptized and he had gone into the desert and was tempted, when he came back, 
he opened up the scroll, he opened up uh, the word, and he kept on preaching to repent for the kingdom of God is here. And he kept on teaching his disciples, he kept on teaching anyone who would listen what the kingdom of God is about. And I just realized that I'm running very fast. And Vartan, I apologize. So I'm going to step it back, take a breath, and take slow, deep breaths every sentence so that we can keep up between the English and the Farsi and we can walk together. I, I coach people in this all the time and I end up doing it myself. So forgive me. Selva's coaching me from the side. She's telling me not whole sentences. Stop at commas. Stop at <laughs> semicolons. Anyway, Jesus spent 40 days teaching about the kingdom. He spent 40 days in life, in a glorified body, one that does not decay, one that does not get sick. He spent these 40 days talking about that. I want to invite you to a very interesting conversation that's going to take place on May 14th. It's going to be at 8 o'clock in the morning, watchman.org, and it's called The Unveiling. And it will be a conversation between four very key individuals that we walk with. One is Asher and Trader. He's a Messianic Jewish leader in Jerusalem. The other is uh, Mike Bickle from the uh, International House of Prayer. The third is Bill Johnson from Bethel Church in Reading. And the fourth will be Francis Chan. Now, you guys know this, but you can't tell anybody because we haven't announced these names publicly, but you know them. And these four people will be talking about this question. What did Jesus teach during these 40 days? So they'll, they all have their different perspectives. Ones are all about manifesting the kingdom in the present. Ones about, are all about the end times. And ones that are about the uh, merging together of the one new man, uh, messianic and, and non-messianic man, Gentiles and Jews becoming one. So all of these things are going to be discussed at that point. That's not where I'm going to take it today. But I just want to prepare our hearts to come to an understanding because I believe that the Lord is unveiling some of these key truths that have been hidden in Scripture. Uh, they have been hidden there for and sealed for us to understand as we move forward. But really what I wanted to focus on was something that uh, I shared or I prayed about a couple of weeks ago as I was serving communion. And uh, since that time, we've had two others and today a third who are going to be serving us communion from outside our immediate nuclear family called City River. We had Steve Otley on uh, the Sunday after Easter. We had Wanda Fast last Sunday. And today we have Michael Pierce. These are very special and precious people to us. We consider them key to our journey. And we felt that the Lord is giving them uh, a perspective that we may not always focus on. And that's why we want to sort of enrich our communion experience by having different voices and different uh, family members share with us from their perspective as they serve us. So what I, what I prayed actually surprised me. When I was praying, I prayed... Uh, from the perspective that we are having communion, this was on Easter Sunday, and we are tied between the communion that we today as the church, the body of Christ globally, that element of the family of God, we are connected, and we've said this often, we are connected to the entirety of the church that is today on the planet, 
that was yesterday and that will be tomorrow, we are part of this mystical, universal body of Christ called the church. We've always emphasized that. Every Sunday morning that we have communion, we lift up the elements and one of us, either myself or Rob, would say that, that now by breaking this bread, we are testifying that we are one with all the other believers across the planet. But we've also felt that we're not only with the believers of today, but we're also entering into this communion and we are part of the one body, which is the whole church right to the day of Pentecost when the Lord established it, or actually right to the Passover that Jesus, when he broke the bread before he was crucified. Now, Ara in his testimony said that he was shaken when God showed him what he is doing on a global level. And the reality is, somehow, when we are focusing on our teachings, and when in the Western church we talk about Christian truths, somehow we bring it down to the individual and what that truth means to me personally, which is very true, which is very valid and very important. What did Jesus do on the cross for me? What is my relationship with God? And those are very critical questions because none of us enter into eternal life without answering any of these questions and all of these questions. What is the relationship that I have with the Lord? Ara and Salpi shared with us today their personal relationships and how they have come to understand that God has made a way for them to come into a relationship with him through the Son in the person of the Holy Spirit with the Father. Not three gods, but one God. One God that became the sacrifice, one God that is the core of the relationship, and one God who is the Father. So it's one God in its entirety. It's not three different gods. One God that has different expressions and different faces. So when we talk about that, and I I prayed into that on Easter, and I prayed about the fact that we are joining together in this communion with all the saints that have come before us right to the Passover meal that Jesus had. And then I realized, as we had been talking with Asher and others, that that was the same Passover that Jesus celebrated that was first celebrated in Egypt 1,500 years before. And we knew that. We knew that we were tying into this national covenant that God had made with the people of Israel, the sons of Isaac, the sons of Jacob, actually the sons of Abraham. So when we remember that, and I I prayed into that, and I realized that we are actually stepping with Jesus into this act of fellowship with him, an act of intimacy, an act of eating. Because when we eat, Whatever we eat becomes part of us. And we actually become what we eat. You know, they tell you, you are what you eat. So if you eat pork, you're a pig. If you eat fish, you're a fish. If you eat a cow or a burger, you become cow. Well, that's not entirely true, but that's actually on a molecular level, it's very true. Whatever we eat gets broken down into our bodies and it becomes what we are composed of. 
So when we are taking and eating of the bread of the communion, we're stepping into that relationship with that bread and what that bread represents. So when we're taking communion, when we're eating communion, that bread, that cup now enter into us and they become part of what our entire makeup is. And that's why, you know, who was it earlier that was saying, I'm not going to have coffee. Lara is on the, on the, the, Lali was saying that Lara is watching. I can't have coffee. Well, I'm having a good tea and it's healthy, but whatever it is becomes part of us and then it affects us. You know, there was a, a Sunday school teacher that was teaching his kids one time and uh, the kids in the youth group were all saying, you know, a little bit of sin is not going to be a problem. Uh, in my life. God's grace covers me. So this teacher decided to be creative. He went outside and he found a little bit of dog droppings. Excuse the example. But he took a little tiny piece and he mixed it into the cookie dough and he prepared the cookie and he served the cookie to the kids and he told them, you know, just like in life, a little bit of sin is not going to harm anything. So I put a little bit of dog droppings into this mixture of this cookie and have prepared it. So here you go. None of the kids wanted to eat it because they knew that once they ate that cookie, that dog dropping, for better words, is going to now become part of them. And they didn't want to have any of that enter them. So but when we eat the communion, that bread, that life that that bread represents, enters into us. And now we become connected to that whatever that is that it represents. Whenever we eat the vegetables, whenever we eat the, the the fruits, whenever we eat the juices and drink the juices and eat the meats and all of those things that we eat, they become part of us and they affect us. Why is there such a craze these days about things organic, eating healthy, watching your cholesterol, all of these different things? Because whatever we eat becomes who we are. So in the communion, Jesus tied it to that very act of their Passover meal when Israel was still in captivity in Egypt. And he said to them, take now, this is my body that is broken for you. It is that covenant that I'm taking you into. But when my prayer, all of a sudden I realized we're going a lot further back than that. Because there were other sacrifices that were made that the Passover was now the fulfillment of for Israel. And the Lord took me as I was praying back and, and I looked at a bunch of different things and I saw the sacrifice that had been made on the altar in the tabernacle when they came out of Egypt. And I saw going back even further than that when Abraham took Isaac and went up the mountain. And by faith, in, in Hebrews 11, it tells us by faith, these men and these women did these things. Abraham, by faith, took his son Isaac up on the mountain because he wanted to obey God and sacrifice his son. And that was a sacrifice that we were all tied into. And God did not allow Isaac to be slaughtered, but he provided a ram. And I was wondering, Lord, what what are you talking about? As I was praying, these words were coming out. I felt I was prophetically declaring these things over us. And it was not something that we had discussed or something that we had talked about. But the words were coming out. So we are tied to that first act of obedience, that big act of obedience that Abraham had done when he took Isaac up on the, on the uh, mountain to put him on the altar. And he actually tied him and put him on the altar. 
He had his knife raised, but God stopped him. He said, no, take that ram instead. And then we also tied further back to the sacrifice that took place at the foot of the mountain, Ararat, when when Noah, the Lord opened the ark, and Noah and his family came out. And the first thing that Noah did was set up an altar, and he brought an animal and sacrificed it and put it on that altar. We are tied to that act of faith. We are tied today by eating this bread and drinking this cup. We are tying ourselves back to that act. And we're standing with Noah and saying, Lord, you are faithful. Your covenants are always yes and true. What you did to save humanity through this one family and saved all of the animals through this one ark, you are faithful to carry out for all generations. When the Lord took me back even further than that, and I saw that sacrifice that was made when Adam and Eve had sinned, and the Lord brought an animal, and he brought the animal's skin, and he put it on them instead of the fig leaves that they had put on themselves. And he covered them with the sacrificed animal's skin. Every table that is set is a reminder of the sacrifice on the altar. For 40 days, Jesus spent time talking with them around tables. He sat with them around meals. And on the way to Emmaus, the first time he appeared to these two disciples, he ate with them. And he, when he broke the bread, they remembered and they realized that this is Jesus. Because in the eating act, we are coming together and we are entering together into a memorial of what has happened throughout all of history that takes us back to that sacrifice that God himself had made before he had created all humanity. He had sacrificed the lamb. There was a covenant that was made. There was a deal. There was an understanding between God the Father, God the Son, that the God the Son was going to be the sacrifice animal for all of humanity. Instead of humanity having to die for our own sins, the Father and the Son agreed that the Son would die as a sacrifice for all the sin of all humanity in all history. And at that time, the sacrifice was slain. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. And his animal skin, as it were, was hanging there. God knowing that humanity is going to fail. Humanity is going to sin. Humanity is going to need the sacrifice. And the lamb's skin comes and he clothes. It clothes Adam and it clothes Eve. That's on a huge global level. But it's exactly what comes down to the personal level. That Salpi every night would go and pray, Father, forgive me, I accept Jesus today. It comes down to the one-on-one relationship between me and God and my sin being covered, my guilt being removed, my shame being lifted off, my body being restored. I eat and it becomes part of me and I confess with my mouth and I confess with my lips and I say, he has become my sacrifice. I am saved because he is faithful. I don't do anything of my own. He has provided the sacrifice. He has provided the altar. You know, and David understood that very well when he wrote in the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. All my needs are met. I have nothing to desire anymore because all my desires are met for in him and I'm fulfilled. And then later on in the, in the Psalm, he says, and he 
prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My biggest enemies, death, shame, guilt, fear, sin, in the presence of all of these enemies, in the presence of the enemy of my soul, Satan himself, God has prepared a table and he has set it and he has invited me to the table to come with him and eat with him and drink with him. So as I was praying all this on that Easter Sunday this last few weeks ago, I prayed things that I heard myself say that I had never thought before. I knew that we were tied to the Passover. I knew that the Passover was the sacrifice that God had miraculously caused Israel to step into and put the blood on the doorpost and deliver them out. But somehow I didn't make the connection with Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith, and how that chapter was so embedded with sacrifice and how it was so embedded with Christ on the cross and how it was so embedded with my sins being forgiven and how it is so embedded into the community, not just the individual, but the community salvation that God has prepared for all mankind. And today we talk about big things and very small things. We talk about national salvation for Israel. All Israel will be saved. But we also talk about personal one-on-one relationships with God, where you enter into an intimate relationship with God. We pray for Iran, that Iran would be released from the grip of darkness that has held it for the last many years. And we believe that not only Iran will be, will be released, but individuals in Iran, like you here who are Iranians that have come to know Jesus personally and have found liberty. We pray for Korea, that Korea would be liberated and that the Lord would allow his people to be set free. When we say, let my people go, just like we said to Pharaoh, he said to Pharaoh through Moses, we say that now to Korea, all of Korea, let my people go, not just those in the south, but those in the north. And we pray for the man who is on the throne, as it were, in North Korea, Kim Jong-un. We pray for his healing. We've heard that he's not well. We pray that he would be healed in the same way that the king of Armenia was healed, what Ara was talking about. The king of Armenia was sick many, many years, many years ago, during the time of Jesus. He wrote a letter and he sent it to Jesus. And one of his ministers, one of his court members, actually included a royal gown with the letter that came to Jesus, inviting him to come to Armenia to heal the king. Jesus saw that letter and his heart was moved and he wrote the letter, but he dictated it and Thomas wrote it. And in the letter he says to Thomas, write these words, Blessed are you, O king of Armenia, for having believed even though you have not seen. I can't come to you because I am sent to the children of Israel. But after my mission is complete, two of my disciples will come to you and bring healing. And he sent Thaddeus and Bartholomew. But the gown... The robe that was sent was the very robe that Jesus wore on the way to crucifixion. That's what the story tells us. And the king was healed. So we see these things and we pray for Kim Jong-un. We pray for his healing. And the same story happened again in Armenia in 301 after the king was again sick. And a Persian man brought healing to him. And at that point, the Persian man had been praying for 13 years for Armenia and for her king interceding, 
How would you like that as a mission, as a mission of intercession? 13 years in a pit, being fed water and bread in the middle of all these snakes surrounding you. But his faithfulness is what caused the nation to be shifted. Do you feel a burden to pray for Canada? Do you feel a burden to pray for Iran? Do you feel a burden to pray for Korea? Koreans today in South Korea are waking up at 5 a.m. every morning to pray for Kim Jong-un and to pray for the restoration of one Korea. Some of you may be moved to join them. But in the midst of all of that, we're praying that the miracle of salvation would happen. The revelation of the Lord would happen for Kim Jong-un and for the release of the people that are under his control to come to know Jesus, him himself personally, and the rest of the people. And as we see these alignments happen, we are excited because we know that the Lord God is on his throne. He is faithful yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful to save the one, the Salpi and the Ara, and the, uh, you know, last couple of weeks ago, we heard about uh, others that were saved. And we're going to continue hearing testimonies. This is a great, great platform for that kind of thing to happen. And we're also going to be celebrating the communion. And I realize that no matter who it is that's going to be serving it, me preaching this message ahead of them is going to make it tough for them. So, Michael, I apologize if this sort of takes anything away from what you're going to say. I know that the, you have an anointing and you have a prophetic edge and that the Lord will give you and has already given you what you need to serve us with for the communion. But I felt that I needed to tie this together for us as a church to see things from his perspective and not just see a piece of bread in a cup and that we're having communion every Sunday now because we used to have it once a month. I want it to be a vital living part of our service and what our, our community worship together. And it allows us to come together and be involved together in an act that is a memorial but more so, it's an act of faith. It's an act of life. It's an act of connecting us with the whole of the family of God from the beginning to the end of the story. And we do it because of the finished work on the cross. So if you don't know Jesus today and somebody has invited you, I don't know everybody that's on the, the call right now. There's uh, a number of different connections and some of you have maybe friends that you've invited. And I urge you to continue to invite your friends and, and send the links out after you get them uh, on the chats or by email. But make that a priority to share the gospel with others, to share the truth of the reality of what the Lord has done and allow us to see his goodness together. It is a covenant that we enter into. It is a global. He made it a national covenant with Israel, but he opened it up again on the cross and made it a global covenant that we enter into personally, family-wise, collectively. God bless you. Let me pray for you before I pass it on. Father, I thank you that uh, you are faithful to provide the lamb. You are faithful to provide the ram. And you have been faithful throughout all of history to open a door for anyone who is seeking you to find you, for anyone who is seeking mercy to find it, for anyone who is seeking hope to find it. Father, wherever we are individually today, wherever we are corporately today, we come to you and we say, Lord, you are the restorer of our hope. You are the one who gives us hope in the midst of darkness. 
whatever our situations are right now, Lord, and you know, some of us are struggling with health. Some of us are struggling with emotional things. Some of us are struggling with financial things. All of that, Lord, we bring to you and we say, Lord, you are faithful. You are faithful. You are our shepherd and we lack nothing. So, Father, we pray for your provision in every area of need right now. In Jesus' name, amen.